You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. So let's begin talking about uh, this Knicks trade that happened a day before the trade deadline. So the Knicks uh, made a move to upgrade their depth on the wing Wednesday night. They traded for Josh Hart from the Portland Trailblazers. New York sent Cam Reddish, Ryan Archidiacono, Z. McKayluk, and a lottery-protected first-round pick from this year's draft uh, to make the deal happen to bring Josh Hart to New York. Now, with that uh, first-round pick that they're sending out, if the Knicks miss the playoffs, it turns into four second-round picks because it's lottery-protected. So there's some protection there if the Knicks somehow screws up and they don't find a way to make the playoffs, that they they would keep the pick, and then uh, Portland would then get four second-round picks. Hart this season is averaging 9.5 points a game. He's averaging 8.1 rebounds, he's shooting 50% from the field. He also has a player option worth $12.3 million for next season. So that's interesting to know. Will he or will he not opt out uh, of this contract after the season will be uh, definitely something to, to follow if you're a Knicks fan, which I'm sure many, many people listening are. So I'll, I'll start with this, uh, Tommy. Just flat out, do you like this trade for the Knicks and getting Josh Harden here for the pieces that they sent out? I do. Uh, I like it. I, I think it's a good move. Um, and, and just big picture, you know, kind of kind of where I think you have to assess when you're an NBA franchise, you should be heading in one of two directions. Either you're attempting to build your roster and make it as competitive as possible to win each game you play that next night and compete for a playoff spot and get into the playoffs and make the second round. Obviously, you know, you're, you're angling towards a title. You're heading in that direction or you're rebuilding and you're actively tanking. Um, you know, you don't say it out loud, but you, you're right. increasing the odds that you have as many, um, you know, that that you, that you land in one of the bottom four spots. So you have a, you know, basically a 12.5 percent chance of, of winning the lottery. Some years the lottery is better than others. This happens to be a year um, that uh, that there is a uh, you're highly incentivized to win the lottery this season. Um, but the Knicks have no you know, you know feasible path towards Wembayano or Scoot Henderson. Um, and to me, they are on the you know they are in the 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 the, the, the they're they're building towards something, uh, building a competitive team and trying to obviously advance the playoffs and make some noise once they get to, once they get to the playoffs. That hasn't always been the case. Um, we could have argued this time last year that they were far better served to head in the opposite direction and um, you know consolidate young players and get as many draft picks as possible. Um, but I think the arrival of Jalen Brunson has changed all that. The Knicks have a point guard, not just any point guard, an all-star caliber point guard, one of the 10 best, 12 best, 8 best, 6 best, you know, um, as well as yeah. he played the season, point guards in the NBA. Um, and that ch- is a game changer. You have Julius Randle playing at an all-star level, potentially an all-NBA level. You have IQ and Grimes and RJ, your young core, uh, Mitchell Robinson, all contributing on a nightly basis. Um, so for that reason, you want to, you know, it's the it's the front office front office job to, um, you know, surround those that core with as many talented players as possible. And when you have a guy like Josh Hart available, um, he does so many things well, contributes in so many ways. Um, I think it makes sense to go after a guy like that. And we'll get into the specifics of why I think that. Um, but just big picture, I thought it made sense to approach the deadline as they did. Um, and and I love the, the the addition of Josh Hart in terms of a basketball player. I think he's going to 
increase the Knicks' chances of winning on a nightly basis, help the team uh, both now and going forward. I do think they resign, and we'll get into that later. Um, but big picture, I thought it makes sense to target a player like Josh Hart, and I like the player in particular in Josh Hart. Yeah, I think that the Knicks uh, did did good by, by themselves with this trade. I thought that Josh Hart was a player that we talked about in the last podcast. I thought it was a pipe dream. Like, I, I thought that there was a very little chance they can get a guy that thought he, he cost too much um, considering what he brings to the floor, uh, being a 50% shooter, being a, a, a maniacal rebounder, um, and just a maniacal physical player for a guy who's only 6'5". I, I just didn't think that Knicks would be able to get him. Um, considering that they may have to give up uh, maybe Obi Toppin in the first or something like that. I just didn't think they would do something like that. So the fact that you bring in a guy who, number one, is a is a top-notch character guy, a guy who, you you know, whenever you make a, a midseason trade, it's always important what kind of character you're bringing in because they could very much alter the chemistry of your team. Now you're bringing a guy, Josh Hart, who's always been a leader wherever he's gone. I talked about uh, in the last podcast how much Chauncey Phillips valued uh, Josh Hart as a professional, why they kept playing him throughout the end of that last season when they were, you know, in theory, maybe should have been tanking um, and why they even brought him in uh, in that CJ McCollum trade. Like Josh Hart is a A1 dude by almost all accounts of people who played not just in the NBA, but also back in his days at Villanova. So I love that. The player you're getting is, um, again, kind of like a, a true Nick in many regards. Like he he's physical. Like he's an excellent rebounder. He's found a way to contribute offensively, even when his three-point shot has kind of gone a little bit awry this season. He's only shooting 30%. And last year, he shot 37%. So you hope maybe he can get those numbers back to where they've been. But he's still finding ways to contribute. And um, I, I just feel like he's the kind of guy, when you pair him with some of the guys the, guys the Knicks have, he they needed a guy like this. They needed another wing. The fact that they kept playing Fournier whenever RJ would go down or somebody would go down, you know, it didn't burn them in the Sixers game, but it has burned them a lot this season. And because Cam was basically a nobody for the last two months, whether he wasn't getting on the court, regardless of who anybody getting hurt or anything happening, they needed another guy who can go out there and guard some of these wings. And the fact that you get a guy in Josh Hart who may be undersized, but doesn't play like it. You know, uh, he, you know he's 6'5", but I mean, he, he's 6'5", in the same way that P.J. Tucker is 6'5". I mean, these guys, he's, a, he's a big guy. He's a physical player. Um, so I, I really like this trade for the Knicks. He's 27 years old. He's entering the prime of his career. I don't think there's any reason why the Knicks shouldn't be able to bring him back, whether it's on a new deal or uh, I, I just think there's a chance maybe he opts in. Uh, maybe that's why the Knicks made this move because when you do give up a protected first for a guy who's on an expiring contract, a little bit of a risk there, but uh, I, I still like the move. You know, Cam Reddish wasn't going to work out here, so uh, you, you send him out. I have no issues with that. Obviously, Arthur Jackson, Mikhailu didn't get much playing time here. So that's really not much of a move. So really, you're talking about your protected first for Josh Hart. A lot of veteran players last yesterday went out for second round picks. So some Knicks fans look at that and saying, uh, did you pay overpay a little bit? Maybe, but I, I just they have two first round picks. So you're going to have to consolidate that probably anyway. You weren't probably going to draft two rookies on a team that's a, a younger team, but a team that's a veteran kind of team that's trying to make the playoffs. So uh, turning one of those picks into Josh Hart, I have no problem with that. So I like to trade from that regard. A hundred percent on the particulars here. Um, just a little bit for Nick fans can expect uh, dating back to the start of last season. Hart appeared in 105 games with the Pelicans and the Blazers averaged 12.3 points on 54, 50.4% uh, shooting 7.7 rebounds, four 
four assists versus 1.8 turnovers, 1.1 made threes, one steals. Um, just kind of a, a quirky basketball reference, you know, uh, stat. Uh, he's only one of five players in the NBA to, uh, since the start of last season to average at least seven boards, four assists, one steal, one made three-pointer. Wow. Um, while shooting over 50% from the floor. Um, other four players in this club, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, obviously not in the same category as those guys, but just gives you a general idea of the ways he contributes, um, not nearly the scorer those guys are. But again, to your point, um, even though his three-point efficiency and volume has decreased this season, finds a way to score, um, shoots around 69% in the paint, very efficient score, as I, as I noted, above 50%. Um, Greatest skill, um, uh, without question, is rebounding. Um, you know, had a, had a 19 rebound game at the Garden earlier this season. Um, one fat, one stat I found really interesting, um, dating back over the last 40 years, there are only three players listed under six six. Um, Josh Hart is listed at six five. Only three players listed under six six that, for their career, have averaged more than six rebounds a game. Jason Kidd, Russell Westbrook, and Josh Hart. Um, so again, that gives you wow. the kind of, you know, that gives you a sense of, of this guy can get after on the boards. Um, and, and just in, in terms of Josh, like me and my buddy Ryan, like have this thing, like when we talk about players, just in, in a general sense, like, is he an all day guy? Like in, in meaning if you go to an LA fitness, wherever you live and you pick up a dude and you're going to run threes or fours, like if he's on your team, he's going to, you're going to play all day because he's not going, you're not going to lose with that type of guy. You know, right. uh, Draymond yeah, Green exactly. is, another, is another example, you know, like, yeah, he doesn't, they, they don't have the, the dribble package. They're not going to make cool layups like Kyrie Irving type players, you know, those flashy type guys, but they're going to defend and they're going to rebound and they're going to make the right pass and they're going to connect and they're not going to complain and they're not going to blame somebody when they miss a shot and they're going to pick you up when you, you know, when you fall on the ground, like just the little things like that. Um, and, I, and I thought you made a good point about chemistry and character. Um, if anything, if we've learned anything from the Brooklyn massacre, you know, uh, that over, over the last few <laughs> years, and we'll talk about that later in the pod, it's that I, I still remain shocked that, that, and I understand talent trumps all, especially in the NBA when there's only, you know, more than other sports when there's only five players on the floor. Um, yeah. But at some point you have to factor in um, what these guys, you know, how these guys approach their, you know, their, their craft, how they treat their teammates, how they treat their coach, the coaching staff and the front office executives and just people in general, the trainers and the ball boys and that type of stuff, I believe, makes a difference. Um, we'll see how it, how it plays out. But um, just for all those reasons, um, I really like the heart move. And, 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 and also very important to point out, yes, they do potentially lose a first round pick. And again, Again, that they have to make the playoffs, um, which is not a foregone conclusion. It's important to note, especially with the play-in, um, if they finish seventh and they lose two games, you know, at the end of the regular right. season, they're 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 a lottery team, which means they keep their first round pick. Um, right. Which you know, the Raptors got better at the deadline. You know, you got to play a Hawks team. It wouldn't be crazy. Um, I think now we and we'll talk about this maybe not today, but next week and, and going forward. I think there's a legitimate chance that the Knicks can not only get the five seed, maybe capture the uh, not only capture the six seed, maybe the five seed. As we see the Nets start to tumble, they lost again last night. Traded two All Stars. Um, we'll get there, yeah. but and I think Hart uh, increases the Knicks' chances of getting there. Uh, but again, it's not as if you're definitely giving away first round pick. And and to your point, even if you give away the first rounder, the, if you draft the guy at 17. Essentially, the Knicks' entire rotation this season is coming back next year. They're all under contract. I should, right. I should 
they're all under contract. So there's the trades are a possibility, but you know, it's not right. like they have, you know, three, you know, rotation spots opening up via free agency. Um, so that players is likely not going to do it. They still have plenty of first round picks. And just as importantly, um, this is, a, a, this is a, a, a crucial point to note. The, the the, uh, the the first round pick does not transfer over next season. The reason the Knicks did that right. exactly. is 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 this way they can trade their 24 first rounder because they're going to they have the Mavis pick coming, which means they can send out four the basically the full boat. The most you can send out in a trade for a superstar is four future first round picks. The Knicks can do that this summer um, because this trade, one way or the other, will convert this season. This this summer. Right? Yeah. So right. Yeah. So that's so. So to me, like when I when I saw that as well, that that told me that the Knicks really really like Josh Hart because I think that they 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 kind of had you know probably one bite at the apple with the of a veteran player that he could bring in, giving up that first round pick. I'm sure they asked around, yeah. what would we what could we get for one of these picks that we have this year? We'll protect it from the lottery, um, and what could we get? And it seemed I assume Josh Hart maybe was the best guy they got, or at least the best guy in their eyes. Um, so the fact that they're willing to take that risk, but also understand that they have that flexibility still to picks moving forward, I think it's smart. And look, you're if the Knicks make the playoffs, you're talking about a draft pick that's you know between 18 and 20 or whatever that is. Like, what are the chances that guy's gonna be as good as Josh Hart? I don't I don't know. It's not very good. I mean, no. if you just look at guys who are drafted in that area. Um, you know, it's like you know, throwing you know darts at a dartboard and trying to figure out who's going to be the guy. There's always a guy late in the first round or in the early second round that ends up popping and becoming a star. But it's again, it's throwing darts at a dartboard. You got one out of 16, 17 chance to get whoever that guy is. I'll take my chance with Josh Hart and another first round pick I still have this year. Uh, moving forward, where do you feel like Josh Hart fits in this rotation? Um, is he coming off the bench for you? Like, do you think that that's definitely what's going to happen? I think so. Definitely, at least initially. Um, I think he's going to come off the bench. Um, and I think, you know, assuming uh, Tibbs sticks with a nine-man rotation, which is likely, um, I could see him extend it out just on a back-to-back, play 10 guys. If, you know, if, if you know, guys are tired, play 10 guys, things along those lines. But we know Tibbs. Um, he had success with a nine-man rotation. Now they have nine solid players. Um, so I, my assumption is he'll replace Deuce McBride, um, who's been playing better, um, which yeah. is, you know, uh, you know, there's, you know, but still, it's good to have depth, and you know it's understandable. McBride is just not nearly as talented as gifted. Uh, you know, he's not capable of contributing the way Josh Hart does. Um, so that's an immediate upgrade right there. But that's only you know 10, 12 minutes a night that Deuce was playing over the last month. Um, last two seasons, Hart has averaged north of 33 minutes. Will he get there with the Knicks? No, certainly, and and not and not off the bench. Um, but I do think he's upwards of 25, 28. He'll play 22 on a, on, a, on a given night. So you got to carve out an extra 10, 15. 15 minutes in addition to the McBride minutes he's going to get. And I think that's where he's going to eat into IQ's minutes, um, uh, Grimes minutes, and, and also RJ Barrett. To me, I don't know if it was intentional. I, you know, I, I don't think that was, this was kind of the thinking of the, of the front office, but this puts some pressure on RJ Barrett uh, who hasn't played well of late um, and, and the on-off numbers and, and the, the, the advanced metrics and the, and the percentages is, is inefficiency shooting percentages all, you know, lend credence to the fact that the Knicks have been better with him off the floor over the last three weeks or so. Um, and now he has real competition for minutes. I mean, cause when you think about it, what is RJ Barrett who's still young and and still growing and will right. become a better player. Obviously, the Knicks hope so. They signed him to a four-year contract. And I think most basketball observers would agree. 
um, he's, he's better than he showed this season. Certainly was on that trajectory coming into this season. Um, what does he do better than Josh Hart at this moment? Uh, Hart's a better rebounder. Hart's a better passer, better connector. Hart's a better defender, a more versatile defender. Um, you know, so there's, is RJ a little better score? Probably. Um, yeah. But, you know, but, but Hart's a far more efficient scorer. Um, so there's just, you know, and, and Hart's the type of guy um, that probably fits in a little better when you have two bull dominant players in, in Brunson and Randall. So um, there's just a lot and, and Hart's the type of guy that Tibbs is going to fall in love with. So I think RJ's minutes could see the biggest hit out of, out of that, that trio of, of IQ Grimes and RJ. Yeah. I mean, I think RJ, RJ, I think RJ is a, is a I kind of pause to say it, but I think he's probably a significantly better shot creator, but I do feel like, for this team, when you have Brunson and Randall, another shot creator in the starting lineup or even in the closing lineup might not be as uh, coveted or as necessary as maybe one would think um, because Brunson and Randall have played at such a high level. So in certain situations, would you prefer to have a guy who can just, you know, stick on one of the other team's best players, whether that be a Jimmy Butler in a playoff series, whether that be, um, you know, uh, maybe James Harden, you know, like, like that's going to be a real important question with the way RJ's playing defense. I do think that that's something to note. I do wonder, um, I, I do agree. I think he comes off the bench. I don't think they're going to bench RJ, you know, because I just don't think they're going to bench him. I just think there's too much money invested. It's, that's not going to happen. But I do wonder what happens if they do stick with nine or do they go with 10, given, given how Deuce plays. I think I tend to agree with you that they'll probably stick with nine, but I, I don't think it's crazy that he may go to 10, at least to start. Because, you know, Tibbs is – I think he's going to love Josh Hart, but we do know he's kind of slow to maybe, like, warm up to a new player on his team. We saw, you know, Cameron couldn't get on the floor for, like, a month before when he got traded. So I wonder if maybe he'll kind of ease Hart in slowly and still keep Deuce McBride in there. But I also wonder if Hart's ability to rebound will – maybe I'm saying something that's ridiculous, but will maybe edge Tibbs to be more inclined to play smaller? Like the one thing he's always said about the the fact that he didn't want to play small was that he felt that they would get they would have no rim protection, which Josh not like Carson can help you with that. But he's also said they won't be able to rebound, and that's one of the Knicks' biggest strengths, one of the best rebounding teams in the league. Will he feel like in certain instances, hey, I can play smaller because Josh Hart? It, it doesn't matter who's on the floor; he's one of the best rebounds on the floor uh, of all the ten guys playing. So I, I kind of wonder if maybe we could see more top in Randall minutes. Could we see? Uh, maybe RJ more of the four in certain instances. Like I, 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 that's the one thing I would wonder about uh, this hard move if if it inclines Tibbs to decide to play smaller at some point. Somewhere. I think so. Yeah, one thing that's that's clear is RJ uh, is Tibbs is going to have to get creative a little bit. And that's not always been his greatest strength. Um, yeah. We'll see how he adjusts. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, and the the benefit of Hart is the Knicks needed some 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 a, another player that that could enter the rotation because not only does this not only it, it is. Um, we've talked about it a ton. Randall's played too many minutes. Brunson's played too many minutes. This yeah. allows you can play um, Hart at the four. We talked about how good a rebounder is. He gets smaller lineups. He can play some time at the four. He can spend some time at the two. Um, when Hart's on the floor, you can give IQ some extra minutes at point guard, which means you can reduce um, Brunson's minutes. So, so this ideally yes. should should there's ripple effects here that allows that that gives Tibbs another opportunity to play a player he trusts. Um, you know, instead of that six core, the six starters, now we have seven starters, however you want to phrase it. Um, but I think the, the, the kind of the ancillary benefits are the reduced minutes for, for, for Randall, um, two or three minutes less a night for Brunson, two or three minutes less a night. Um, and, and I think that will, will benefit the team going forward, both immediately, um, 
So those guys are fresher in, in, in the fourth quarter um, and, and obviously long term over the last final two months of the season as their as their playing time gets kind of win, just just a touch. Two or three minutes a night less could could pro- could prove beneficial down the road. And one last thing on this trade, um, talking about the pieces that went out and Cam Reddish being obviously the main one outside of the first round pick. Cam Reddish has his fans in this Knicks fandom. Like there are a lot of people who felt like Cam got a raw deal that Cam could have definitely contributed on this team. Um, where do you see where his career goes now that it ends up in Portland? Portland's kind of a weird team when you look at their roster. They have a lot of young players, guys that you're kind of like banking on, maybe that they could turn their careers around and, and do something. Or, or even young guys like a Shaden Sharp, who uh, you know we don't know much about from his college days because he didn't play much, but is a developmental guy, a guy who uh, was a big-time high school prospect, who's played pretty well for them in his rookie year. Where do you see how Cam Reddish fits on Portland? Do you feel like you you'll see a lot from him and see the growth that maybe people hope that 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 he'll have? Yeah, Wednesday night I would have said I'm very interested to see what 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 happens with Cam in Portland. Then the Blazers traded for Matisse Thybul uh, on, mm. on Thursday afternoon, and for me, um, no question, I'd much rather. I, I was I was I, I never understood um, why the why. Dybul couldn't crack that rotation in the Sixers, you know, in, in Philly consistently. It seemed like a great piece to play alongside Harden and Embiid. And the, I, every time I watched him, you know, it was such a good defender. It's, it's, you know, I, you know, all NBA potential defensive ability. I understand he needs to shoot better, um, but there's been players in the NBA that you know are, are bad shooters and, and still find ways to contribute. Um, so I, 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 I was surprised that Philly gave him up. They did get Jaden McDaniel, so I thought that made sense from from a Philly perspective. I don't know what Charlotte's yeah. thinking, um, but I. I Thibault is one of those guys that I thought was one of the buy low opportunities. Um, I just needed a kind of a fresh start and I think he'll get it in Portland. So for that reason, I think he's going to get the lion's share of minutes, especially when you consider um, the, the players he, he'll be playing alongside in Portland, Dame Lillard, Anthony Simons. These guys are scorers, not defenders. So when you have those guys, Nurk, when you have that type of offensive, you know, talent on one end of the floor, he would complement those guys really well. Um, again, as, as far as Reddish is concerned, um, you know, the rumblings in and around the organization was this guy just didn't bring it. Um, one thing, you know, you, you talk about Hart and the and the culture. He's a he's a guy. You know, the Knicks have developed a culture. They're going to compete. They're going to defend. Um, it's not always going to be pretty, but they're going to grind out wins and they're going to try. You know, they're going to they're going to beat you with effort. Um, and yeah. and from, you know from people in and around the organization you just hear that cam would play really well in games and in some games then have off play you know really compete in practices on some days and then just not show up the following day so that that type of stuff that professionalism um is required um to really be a star in the nba now we've seen two organizations give up essentially on cam reddish who's still young um you know he's, this this is the third act of his career um but he kind of needs to establish himself there and he'll get an opportunity in portland um we'll see what it happens but um you know to your point and i understand that some Nick fans were, oh, this is essentially you're giving up two draft picks for Hart because he gave up a first. That listen, that was a sunk cost. Um, so I, I can't, you can't compound that that mistake. Um, so right. so I, I have no problem with the with the Knicks parting ways with the Cam Reddish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you can't cry with spilled milk, as the saying goes. Like, you know, they gave up the first for Cam. Uh, it didn't work out for this coach and this team. And I can go on and on about how I don't, I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of this coach. Clearly, as anybody listens to this show. But it is what it is at this point. Now you're trying to get something for him. And, okay, you attach a first, but you get a guy who you know can absolutely contribute to the Knicks. So I can't fault them for that. And then when it comes to Cam in Portland, Portland's kind of a weird team. 
Like, I, I don't really know, you know, they apparently they're getting called with Dame Lillard and they were hanging up the phone saying, you know, don't call my phone again. Like, so Dame Lillard, I guess, is still off the board. They don't look like a team that's uh, definitely not a definite playoff team. I mean, maybe they find a way to play in and we'll see what happens. We know Dame Lillard in a one two game situation probably is a dangerous player. But, uh, and I, I always like Anthony, Anthony Simon. So they had a really talented backcourt, not much defense, but they could definitely score. But then the rest of their team, uh, I like the Jeremy Grant move, but it just doesn't seem to have really resulted into wins. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I think they, they kind of what they've, again, what we've seen them do recently with some of the players they've drafted, like a Nasir Little and I mentioned Shaden Sharp. Like, I just think they're taking guys who have been seen as talented guys who maybe uh, for whatever reason are being underrated and, and they're just taking a flyer. And Cam to me is in that same boat. I do think that the dive move is interesting because in some ways I feel like they kind of replaced Hart with a younger Jack Hart. You know, like Dybul, uh maybe isn't as uh, definitely not as efficient a scorer, but he brings the same level of defense, same level of professionalism. Um, so like it's it's funny that they got a guy who essentially uh, reminds me a lot of the guy they lost. We we know one thing that Adam Silver in the league office is hoping that that. You know, the Blazers moves don't work out because if the Lakers are going to move into that 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 top 10 spots, they got to replace one of those teams. Um, and, right. And it, yeah. You know, so you, you'd think it probably it's, you know, the Pelicans, the Wolves, the Warriors, you assume they're they're going to get on track. Those those are their, you know, the seven through seven through nine teams. And then you have the Blazers. OKC is also ahead of the Lakers, too. So the Lakers got to jump them. But really like what the Lakers did yesterday. Um, yeah. My only concern is it's a little bit too, is it a little bit too little too late? Um, you know, they lost again last night. Is LeBron going to be healthy? Like, they could play really well and still miss the playoffs. Or, yeah. you know, or, 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 and, uh, in best case scenario, I think at this point, is they, you know, finish one of the nine or ten teams. Um, and then it's a one and done. Listen, do I think they could win one game and then win another game and win a first round series? Absolutely. Probably be favored if they, you know, if they, if they come right. out of that playing tournament. Um, but again, there's a lot kind of up in the air. Um, so we'll see how that